Hi, everybody. This is Joshua and Phoebe. Hi. And we don't normally do this, but uh, we had uh, some technical problems with our first episode recording with Johnny Dowd, the man, living legend, and we just wanted to fill in the gaps a little bit about this living legend, this mystery, and tell you why I spent so much time and wanted to re-edit this episode and put it out the right way. Uh, Phoebe, what do you think about Johnny Dowd? I think that maybe most of the people listening today will not know who Johnny Dowd is. Sure. The man, the myth, and the legends. But the yeah. fact of the matter is, is that Johnny Dowd was heralded yeah. in Rolling Stone, mm -hmm. has an underground following throughout the United States and possibly the world, the I world. believe. Yeah. yeah, and and the world. Uh, and he is still creating massively... Uh, unique art that mm -hmm. we think is important for the rest of the world to know. Yeah. So I first heard of him with his very first album at age 50, 1998, The Wrong Side of Memphis, pictures from life's other side. He tells beautiful, twisted stories about sadness and unhappiness. And instead of letting it take his life completely down to the toilet, he makes beautiful music out of it and takes it all over the world. People everywhere have heard of him. He's kind of rockabilly. Kind of folk, kind of country. He is hard to quantify, and he likes it that way. We went to see him recently in Ithaca, New York, and the very next day he wrote the funniest joke I'd ever seen on Facebook. He said, I thought being a rock star would pay more. <laughs> um, we are so excited to introduce to you Johnny Dowd because we think you love him too, and we hope you go to johnnydowd.com and pick up his new album, Homemade Pie, uh, and on this episode, he plays one of his new tracks, Rose. So good. So, so... Don't miss it, guys. So stinking good. This is so good. Yeah. If you wanted to know a real rock and roll cowboy, listen to some Johnny Dowd. If you want to meet a real artist, you'd drive four hours to meet him like we did. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks so much, guys. And enjoy Johnny Dowd with me and Phoebe talking about the power of the dog. Woof, woof. And now, let's go back to our original episode. Already in progress. Phoebe, we just finished watching The Power of the Dog, and I'm embarrassed. I didn't know that was a Bible verse. Did you know that was a Bible verse? I didn't. I guess I didn't pay attention in church. Wow. I went to Bible school in uh, <laughs> Rochester, New York, too, so this is bad. Uh, it's in Psalms, I think. Uh, Deliver us from the sword and the power of the dog. Mm -hmm. uh, so, wow. Super scary movie. The Lord did not deliver them, uh, but maybe he delivered uh, Rose from Phil, who was super scary. Anyway, uh, incredible movie. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Um, and we have a, a wonderful, wonderful guest today, Johnny Dowd. We're going to introduce him in just a second. And uh, any thoughts before our theme song rolls? I mean, honestly, I'm just so excited to talk uh, to Johnny Dowd about this song and to hear his song, Rose. Um, that's all I'm excited about. Okay. Uh, I think everyone will be excited about that. It's an amazing song. We got to hear Johnny... Uh, a few weeks ago, play in Ithaca on mm -hmm. the last stop of his tour in the Brookton Market. Well, it wasn't amazing. Ithaca. It wasn't. It was next door to Ithaca. It was amazing. Yeah, it was. Thanks so much, everybody. And uh, here's our theme song. They yell about directors, yell about the plot, yell about the acting, but they also talk a lot. But mostly Joshua and Phoebe yell about the movies. Welcome back to Joshua and Phoebe Yell About Movies. Phoebe. Joshua. Yes. We're back. We have an incredible guest today. Phoebe, would you like to do the honors of introducing our guest? 
This is Johnny Dowd, the one and uh-huh. only. Yes. <laughs> Live from Ithaca, New York. The man, the legend himself. And he's got some new music. He does have some new music. Is the world ready is the question. I, I They should be. I mean, it's incredible. <laughs> uh, we were we were blown away a few weeks ago, weren't mm-hmm. we? It, mm-hmm. uh, it just gets Barbie. better and better. It yeah. just gets better and better. Yep. I've been telling her about you. Uh, about how you've been playing music for years, but you didn't uh, record your first album until the age of 50, and you run a moving company, and we just think your story is so great. Uh, anyway, it's Johnny. Is that, is that true, Johnny? Is that true? Is that true, Johnny? Not really, no. But. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what's, what's tr- what's, what is the truth? What is the truth? Uh, I manage a small local bank. <laughs> <laughs> Saving. I'm in. I'm in real estate, basically. Import, export. Wow, those are three different uh-huh. careers in one. What an interesting bank it must be. <laughs> no. no, your your story. Your story is right. You're oh, accurate. Yeah. You're accurate. Yeah. Well, I, I I feel like after seeing you in person, you have a little bit of Will Rogers in you. These uh, these tall tales that sort of make up your stories, you know, and then. That's that's a lot of sorrow in your songs for one person. So I feel like even Conway Twitty makes an appearance. Yeah, he did. Mm-hmm. Uh, you want to be a rock star like Conway Twitty. So anyway, that uh, that's why we thought of you for this uh, right. deep, scary movie, Power of the Dog. It's deep. It's scary. It's a big story there. Yeah, I really liked it. Uh, I mean, the script was great. Cinematography was great. Directing was great. The acting was great, except they didn't really sound like people from that era to me, which kind of bothered, you know, I mean, they're great actors, and they acted great, but like you, like if you see a movie like Robin Hood, when Kevin Costner was Robin Hood, and he's saying like, well, go forth. You know, it's just like then the British, everybody else in the cast is British, so they're saying, "Come for you know." How yes, the accents were off. <laughs> it, Although it I was really, listening to Benedict Cumberbatch very closely to see if he slipped back into his English accent once, which he didn't. I, I don't know. Did you catch? Him? Oh no! Wh- which one is he? Is he the, ba- the He's Phil. Phil, the guy that? Okay, see, that's what I'm saying. I didn't even know that, but he doesn't sound like an American. He sounds like somebody who sounds like an American. Oh, wait, what, what, what are you picking up on it? Because he's he's an Englishman. Okay, all right, all right. <laughs> yeah. Well, was it everybody in the cast that you thought sounded a little off for the time period, or everybody but the young kid, mm-hmm. you know, the son? I, I thought he was he was just totally strong. But I really like I really liked the movie. Yeah. What what in particular did you like about it? What spoke to you the most? I think just uh, you know, it was a love story. It was just a beautiful love story of unrequited love, you know, cast in uh, two guys, you know. But yeah. What difference does it make, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. George and Phil, it, it seemed like they were at each other's throats the whole time. Why did you think that was? Well, I think uh, I think they really loved each other's, but 
Phil with his what's going on in his head and his yeah. brother just being a really straight I mean absolutely straight I mean you couldn't be any more uh, man with a capital M mm-hmm. you know he doesn't say anything he reluctantly gives up an emotion mm-hmm. yeah even killed and his brother Phil was more like playing a stereotypical version of a woman from the 50s, you know, sort of semi-hysterical and just like, ah, you don't know what the fuck they're going to do. It was pretty scary. Last hour we kept thinking he was going to hang someone like Peter, kill Rose. Uh, we didn't know in the music. Uh, did the tension grab you at all, like uh, with the music? It- yeah, yeah, I thought it was going to go that way. I mean, and, and that's what makes her such a great director. She just took it. She took it in a totally different way. Because yeah, you would think if it was a Quentin Tarantino movie, he'd have killed every one of those motherfuckers. <laughs> right? <laughs> it had been a bloodbath at the end of that thing. You know? uh-huh. We kept saying to ourselves, "Somebody's gonna die," and then we kept coming up yeah. with different scenarios on who and how they were mm-hmm. gonna die. I thought there was mm-hmm. another hanging coming for sure. Yeah, because he was building that rope for him. He yeah. kept saying, "Oh, I'm making that rope." Mm-hmm. I think that rope was a symbol. Yeah, I began of to what? think of, the, of his penis. <laughs> you know, you know, I mean, honestly, I'm open to any version of interpretation because okay. I feel like the entire movie was symbolism. Oh, yeah. You I had, mean, like, let's take Power of the Dog. What was the dog? What was that thing? Well, they looked out on the mountain yeah. for one, and only Bronco Henry, who mm-hmm. I think was like the homoerotic father, best friend, yep. lover thing of Phil. Yeah. And the yeah. only other person mm-hmm. that saw the dog in the mountain was. The kid. Right. So. And he was like, how did you see it? You saw it right away? He, you know, that dog and the yeah. picture in the canyon. Yeah. And, and then the Bible that you'll be delivered from the power of the dog. I, I, I haven't read any other reviews and I really haven't figured out this symbol, but I think the symbol's really clear. And the rope, back to what you're saying, Johnny. Yeah. Is another one and it can go so many different directions. And you think it's a symbol of his penis. Well, just... Uh, in the sense of it, a connecting thing between him and the kid, you know, it's it's like a rope, or a cable, or a penis, you know, like that's uh, that's binding them or killing them, binding or... them, and yeah, mm-hmm. he wants to bind them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was shocked when the kid mentioned very casually that his father, an alcoholic, mm-hmm. hung himself. Yeah, he found him. And he cut him down from that rope. Right. Next to that, you've got... Right. more ropes. And yeah. then you've got Phil braiding a rope, creating yeah. a rope, and it's yeah. the kid that brings mm-hmm. the hide to complete that rope that is apparently, yeah. Yeah. spoiler alert, uh, bathed in anthrax. Yeah. What was that? Well, when it came choice between carnal love and love of his mother he chose his mother as any good boy should do oh yeah so do you think why do you think he killed phil well because he was he because he was fucking with his mother 
Mm. Yeah, she was terrified of him. Yeah. Well, what do you think changed between Phil and Peter? Like, the first half of the movie, uh, him and everybody's making fun of him. Uh, and then he, he, he terrorizes Rose for the first half of the film. And then his brother George leaves. And then he becomes friendly with him for a bit. What, what do you think changed there? Well, I think they were starting to fall in love. He was starting to fall in love. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, do, well, do you think he saw something of him in himself? Like he said, you know, like maybe that Bronco Henry showed him how to be tough and survive out there. He had this line um, when he was showing him the rope. He said, things get lonesome out here if you don't get into the swing of things. Another reference to a rope, you know, a rope can swing. Right, right. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Maybe. Good catch. Yeah. Uh, I like. I mean, this too goes to the whole English question of an Englishman playing an American, but was was the director or the scriptwriter trying to be ironic by naming this Carrie Bronco Billy? <laughs> that's not a. That's something that that's something out of a, a, a Western uh, comic book or something. Sure, sure, <laughs> sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Bronco Billy just sounds completely made up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Bronco Henry. Yeah, yeah, Bronco Henry. You know, so was that was that her saying that I'm being ironic in this movie? <laughs> um, that I'm 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 not. You know, I'm just making fun of Americans or something. I mean, could be, could be. I mean, it was a little bit. Uh, I like to use the phrase "on the nose" when something seems too obvious. When he pulls mm-hmm. this like uh, cloth. A towel out of his crotch, and he bathes in it, and it has the initial BH on it. And like he was carrying that thing right in his yeah. in his crotch region, and he yeah. never and he was always dirty, and and then he wouldn't show up to dinner because he didn't want to. His brother wanted him to look clean. He didn't, and then finally, about three quarters of the well, the way through the film, he finally takes a a bath for like the first time. It gets clean, and takes that uh, that t- cloth out with BH on it. Bronco mm-hmm. Henry. Mm-hmm. All right. What do you think? Did he feel that Bronco Henry made him clean, and he was hiding his uncleanliness? I don't know. It's that's another idea. A lot of ways you can go with this. Well, was there any proof that that Bronco Henry was a real thing, except except what was in Phil's mind? Did anybody else ever talk about Bronco Billy? Or he talked about it with his brother, I guess. Did he? I'm not sure if he did. They had that plaque on the wall. No, I think he talked about it with his brother, like, you know. But that whole story about the horse whispering thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He made the bet that the, you know, that's, I mean, a story like that wouldn't be in a Western that you were trying to make historically uh, correct. You know, that wouldn't, that's not the kind of thing that would happen. It would only happen in a movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Did Did you read a lot of those old Western stories like uh, Louis L'Amour? Did you grow up with that kind of thing? I used Zane Gray, read all the Zane Gray books. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now I read a ton of Westerns. I mean, when I was growing up, Westerns were all over the TV. Yeah. Gunsmoke, Paladin. Wanted Dead or Alive. Yeah. Bounty Hunter with Steve McQueen. Mm-hmm. You got to see that, man. That's like, 
Steve McQueen just like you see what yeah what he was of all those guys he was the biggest he biggest badass seriously oh total man what a loss total fucking man your music kind of is a great uh, example of Steve McQueen actually mm-hmm. it's Uh-oh. like fully part rock and roll but fully part like old west like I can hear a song. You know, both being a rocker and on the back of a bucking bronco at the same time, telling high tales from the mountains yeah. that only only your spirit animals know. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, I like that kind of stuff. Like those, like Robert Service, or those poems that are it's a whole story. Mm-hmm. Man went into the bar and blah, 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 <laughs> yeah, like English folk poems. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Phoebe, is this, uh, is this a transition to asking Johnny if he'd favor us with a song? Well, let's tell him what we got to hear. I feel very special yeah. that we have been able to hear uh, your upcoming uh, album before yeah. it was released. Yep. Johnny, you want to tell us a little bit about the new album? Uh, yeah, made it during the pandemic, during the lockdown. Uh Pretty simple. I just wrote some songs, and Mike and I learned them, and then we recorded them, and then later we had a good friend of mine, Brian Wilson, drum on them. And uh, you had a lady sing on it too. I think that's one. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Excuse me. And the Cam sang. So it was kind of the original Johnny Dowd band. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. That was just an accident. Really, kind of, but but it's a real, it's a good album. It's very uh, it's a very good album. Very normal. We lo- very we, normal. We, you said. <laughs> well, you're pro- you know you're promoting it. The way you promote it too also makes me think like we're all a bunch of cowboys just mm-hmm. sitting around a campfire at the end of a yeah. cattle herd. Well, I wrote them, and we learned them, <laughs> and we sang them. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Are they about the pandemic, no. or are they just what? Where did you no. draw from? No, just what you said. I just I wanted to write a group of songs because I've never been the kind of player that if you if I went to a party and somebody said, "Hey, here's a guitar, sing us a song," I'd be like, uh, "I don't know any songs. I don't have. I don't, <laughs> I don't have songs like that." Uh-huh. <laughs> There's no synthesizer. How am I going to do the song? So these are just these are just songs that you could play on acoustic guitar at mm-hmm. a party. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then, then we ended up electrifying them, but mm-hmm. basically they're just folk tunes. Well, we loved them. We oh, did, thanks. and we were delighted mm-hmm. when we heard this magical song. I mean, all of them are magical, really. Yeah. But Rose. And I couldn't believe my ears because we were we were listening to it in preparation mm-hmm. for the, this episode yeah. and the power of the dog. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, he wrote a song about Rose. Rose yeah. This is perfect. So is there any way that Rose in this movie sort of reminds you of Rose in your song? Who is Rose in the Who song? Who is Rose? Uh, Rose. I'd have to check. I'd have to. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, originally, the line was I called her Rosie Pulaski, but then um, Detroit girl. That seemed kind of obvious. Yeah. 
Now, Rose is just, you know, when a woman makes the choice and it's not you, and then you die and you wish that she would die with you. You love her and hate her in equal measures, you know. Mm -hmm. You want to be with her forever, but you hate her for choosing someone else. Do you think that's uh, how Phil felt in the movie? A little bit, yeah, probably. Yeah, I mean, he definitely had conflicts. I mean, I guess... Me, but... Uh... <laughs> But maybe there was something there about being feeling rejected as a man. Uh -huh. I don't know. Yeah. I thought it was interesting that he wouldn't wash until he knew he was going to die. Yeah. So maybe he just felt dirty all the time. I don't I don't know. Well, I think the fact that he was actually British and he was having to pretend to be American, <laughs> I think that was the central conflict. You got to see beyond the movie into the actual reality of what was happening. Yes. It's like... Alex Baldwin and his fucking gun. You know. <laughs> oh, I think this song, which I yeah. think is called Rose. Mm -hmm. If yeah. you remember it, let us know what it is. I think it's Rose. Rosie. 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 Uh, I think that this is the missing uh, song in the soundtrack right. for the movie. So with that, Johnny, will you uh, give us a sneak peek on your new album through Rosie? Uh, yeah, I have to grab a guitar. We'll just dance while... Yeah, we wait. I'm back. You know, when I get older, I would hope to have Johnny Dowd's shock of white hair. That's a crown of righteousness. Mm -hmm. That's what that is. It's still hair. That's the main. That is the. <laughs> <laughs> My father shaves his head with the razor. He's uh -huh. so bald. So he would say, here, here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, my grandfather was bald. There's worse things. Yeah, <laughs> it, it reminds me of David Lynch's hair a little bit, Johnny. Yeah. Yeah, David, David Lynch should call me. I, I think so. Agreed. I think you so. You should be in his movie. If I knew him, I'd call him for you. Many a ship I've sailed Across the deep blue sea Many a woman I've loved But only one loved me Her name was Rose Rosie O'Grady But I called her Rose She kept me warm in the winter chill When the cold wind blows The night before I took sea to parts unknown Rose came by Said goodbye I put a chill To my bones 
Bassett, fairly well. I said it with a grin. She looked at me with somber eyes. She said, I love your brother Jim. Sea was harsh, Captain Cool. All were lost at sea. My final thought as the ship went down. I wish Rose was here with me. I wish Rose was here with me. I wish Rose was here with me. Woo! Wow. I wish Rose yeah. was here with me. Well, uh, I love that yeah. song. Thank you, Johnny. Thank that you. sounded mm-hmm. awesome. Thanks. That was fun. Mm-hmm. We were whisked away to that dog yeah. mountain. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then drinking hooch. And then I was reminded of uh, the immortal wisdom of Rose herself in the movie, who embraces her son after putting away the the whiskey, and she looks at him and says, "Peter, we're not unreachable." Hmm. That's what I was thinking of. That's one of the themes of the movie. That's a great line. Was, yeah. Hmm. So good. Such a good script. So when does the rest of the world get to hear uh, your new album? What when is it releasing? I think mid-January, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. May or January? No, he said mid. Mid-January, okay. We're also loving uh, Johnny Dowd's uh, Christmas album, and we bought a ton of them at your concert, and we're giving them away to all of our cool friends because if you listen to Johnny, uh, Johnny Dowd, boys and girls, mm-hmm. it's a very good indication that you are legitimately cool. And, uh, <laughs> and, and each one of these covers is different. Who did these drawings? I did the drawings, and my sister did the woodcut or linoleum cut around it. So the pictures, and then she stamps them. Yeah. Oh, my gosh, that's <laughs> awesome. Now I don't want to give them away. <laughs> that's what yeah. I said. Each one's a, each one's a collector's edition. They're not the We're going to do a different edition each each Christmas. We'll put, we'll make, it'll be the same record, but it'll have a different cover. So Oh, it's amazing. It's like baseball cards. People will trade them, sell them on eBay. Yeah. Full collection. Yeah, and the three that we have are completely different. And unfortunately, I think the people that we uh, are giving them to are going to be here. Or maybe not. Maybe mm-hmm. they won't. Maybe you won't be the one, but you are. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and just like when Phil was uh, was telling Peter about how he had to take bets and how many boards they'd have to move before the rabbit made a run for it, I think people are going to have to make a run to buy your Xmas album. <laughs> or they'll get their neck broke like the rabbit. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> that was an interesting thing. I mean, there was sort of a build-up to his uh, sociopathy. Yeah. Uh, it started with... Yeah. Well, first we thought he was gentle because mm-hmm. of the the flowers, and then that grew... But then we saw him right. dissecting a rabbit. Peter, yeah, Peter, the, the gay son, we saw him dissecting a rabbit for... And then his Rose says, don't you... I thought you liked rabbits. 
Right, and then he did some dissection with the cow. I averted my eyes. I don't know what he did to the oh, cow. Oh, he that's he where he got it. that's, that's where, where he got, got the, the rawhide. rawhide. Yeah. Okay, there was that, and then uh, I guess killing uh, rabbit was Kill, also he, he an run indication. Run rabbit's neck, yeah, yeah. But it's interesting that he said about his father that his father was yeah, always he was worried. He was sort of a sociopath, but loved his mother. He loved yeah. his mother, and his father before right. he died was yeah. always concerned that he wasn't kind enough. Which was interesting because later on, Phil says of him, you're so kind. Hmm. But actually, he wasn't kind at all. He murdered him. Yeah. So maybe his dad was right. Well, hey, he, he murdered him because uh, everybody made fun of him his whole life, I guess. That's, that's another way to look at it. Oh, and then there was the nudie magazines. He had both men and women in there. I think so, yeah. He did have both men and women. I don't know... Was that authentic to the period also? Did they have uh, uh, cowboy porn back uh, then? Oh, I, I don't... Probably. I mean, porns. <laughs> I mean, you were there, Johnny. <laughs> <laughs> what was it like in 1858? <laughs> That's always been there, yeah. <laughs> now, the movie was set in the 20s. Yeah, well, yeah. Not, like, 1915, 1920, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Why do you think George left for so much of the second half of the movie? What do you think that was setting up? Do you think he had to leave Peter alone with Phil? I mean, plot-wise, do you think? Yeah, partly. He was, I mean, that role was not much, you know. Yeah, but I, I think... I mean, the guy did it well, but I mean, he could be absent and the movie would go right along. He didn't propel the action, you know. It doesn't say, but, you know, since Phil had so much... So, was so violent. I feel like uh, his brother must have had something happen to him. Well, it kept him so restrained because, like, he didn't listen to people. He didn't listen to his brother. He didn't listen to his wife. Uh, she kept saying how bad she was at the piano, and then he made her asked her to play the piano anyway in front of all those relatives and company. And she was crying and shaking. She didn't want to play. She couldn't play. She said, "I can't play." She used to play in a little little uh, bar review or something, and then. To play for high society, it just uh, made her start drinking. I mean, the meanest thing Phil did, I thought, was like she's down there trying to play the piano. He comes out with a fucking banjo and plays the whole thing, like all up and down. Just like for a musician, that would be pretty humiliating. You wouldn't like, oh, gee, I, I guess I'll do a gig in front of the governor tomorrow. You know, it doesn't build your confidence. Mm hmm. Yeah, Phil came out like a badass, just playing that thing like a like like he'd been doing it since he was born. Right, squelching her con any confidence she was trying to do. She couldn't even practice because he was interrupting her with his, you know, banjo skills. Yeah, that was kind of a sort of thought that Robert Johnson uh, down to the crossroads, sell your soul to the devil, and then you can become a then you'd be a great guitar player. That whole legend. I sort of felt like he was like that because when you heard him playing in in the beginning, it's like, yeah, this guy can't really play banjo. I mean, he's just picking on a few notes. And then all of a sudden he walks out of the bedroom and sounds like fucking Earl Scruggs, you know. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, you know, that's kind of demonic, you know. <laughs> you don't get you don't get that good without a lot of practice. 
I was surprised he was uh, that good. I wasn't. It sounded like he was tinkering on uh, it before, and then he came out like yeah. like when, when Jimmy Page of of the West. Yeah. And right. when did he have time to play the fiddle, hanging out with all those cowboy friends he had? Anyway, you know? <laughs> He's probably the kind of guy like you go to a party and you're sitting around the campfire, and this motherfucker's there playing the banjo all night, driving everybody out of their mind. That's, that's why I didn't have any friends, you know. It's just like, God, quit playing the banjo. It's like, that's horrible. <laughs> that's the backstory, maybe. Yeah. I love that scene. That was that was a big moment. That um, I didn't quite understand why he was trying to burn all those hides instead of selling them or giving them away. What did mm. you think that was about? Mm. I didn't get the whole hide thing exactly. Yeah, she gave the hides away to the Indians, the Indian family who gave her those nice cowhide gloves. And he's like, I need, I need these. You know, he had a deep, it wasn't like it was important to him somehow. I don't, but maybe Bronco Billy was a hide guy or something. Some Bronco Billy connection. Yeah. (laughs) I didn't know if he needed them because he wanted power over all of those hides he had skinned himself to destroy them but then or was it the kid came through peter came through saying don't worry i have the hides for the rest of your rope yeah so did he want to burn them or did he want did he need them or did he want to make rope i'm a little confused by that yeah i don't know that and what would be wrong with selling them if they're a ranch they got to make money somehow, presumably by selling hides. You think so? Right. Yeah. Right. And why did he have to burn them? That I'm not really sure about. The, again, mm. there are so many metaphors over this, and mm. I that I, I know that I'm missing at least 180 thousand of them. Yep. And as she held onto those ca- cowhide gloves real tight after she passed out drunk, and George takes her up to bed. He tries to take the gloves off, and then she like grabs them really tight, like she that she needs them. So, do you think there's something to do with? Okay, I'm seeing a, I'm seeing a little bit of a theme here. He wouldn't wear gloves for a couple of reasons. One, when he was castrating, like what was how many hundreds of cows did he castrate? Uh, close to two hundred. And uh, his friends are like, "You need to wear gloves." He's like, "I don't need them." So there's that. He also wasn't wearing the gloves when he was moving the logs out of the way, which is why he got that gash in his hand. Yeah. Now I think that's why he died because he was touching yeah. the, with anthrax. Mm-hmm. I mean. He was wide open, you know. He had a horrible infection, and yeah. I mean, maybe maybe anthrax would have gone through even if he didn't have a wound there. Mm-hmm. And then she wouldn't take off her gloves. Yeah, I don't know if there's a parallel there, or what or yeah, well, or maybe. Uh, I think. Go ahead, Johnny. Anything you're not sure of, you could just blame on Bronco Henry. You know? Yeah, <laughs> that guy is <laughs> like. Just that's a Bronco Henry thing, you know, with the hides. It's, you don't need to understand it, you know. It's, it's like God. I mean, this movie, this movie was really there were a lot of homoerotic themes mm-hmm. here. A lot of the cowboys frequently had their shirts off. How about the naked? No how about fun splashy time? Naked yeah. splashy time in the yeah. in the in the, pu- yeah. in the pond. Um, yeah. What? Yeah. What? But however, I did not feel like this was Brokeback Mountain two, yeah. or that it was like you know, call me by my by your name or anything mm-hmm. like that. But it was definitely the there was definitely a, a, a through line. If only we knew what it was. If only- <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I think one thing she's sort of looking at is like if you look at 
any classic Western, like Red River, you know, John Wayne, mm-hmm. or Clint Eastwood, Unforgiven, or, you know, all of those classic cowboy movies, you could look at them through that same homoerotic lens that this movie made more explicit. Yeah, like the whole battle between Montgomery Cliff and John Wayne. It's like, come on, what do you think that You're right. was about? You know? You're right. And if we look, I'm actually remembering in the beginning of the movie, they go to a saloon. Right. And everybody seems to be with a woman except... Phil. Phil. Yeah. And then the next scene is him basically, you know, gay bashing. Right. They're, they're making fun of Peter when he walks in... And then uh, George George goes in essentially to comfort or apologize or whatever, uh, Rose. And then for the next 20 minutes, Phil sort of uh, is hating on him for being with a woman. You know, he's so, so angry. Mm-hmm. Is that the root of his anger, that he's rejected by women? I don't know. Is, there, there is there a mom? grave in the beginning, though, that says yeah. Rose and Peter. Was that a flashback? Mm. You remember the grave that said Rose and Peter in the beginning? Mm, I don't. Maybe it was just a sign for the show. I don't know. <laughs> no, no, that's the fun of uh, thinking about these movies, is thinking about these little symbols. And I'm just curious know. why he was so militantly filthy and ungloved. <laughs> and then until he knew he was going to die, and that's uh-huh. when he took a real bath. That's when he mm-hmm. put on a, a suit, and he seemed very happy and peaceful he did. when he, put he on died. The, he put on the suit at the end. But he did yeah. kind of take a bath with... Right. That cloth, yeah. uh, that kerchief or whatever it was yeah. from Bronco Henry. Mm-hmm. So he was a tormented gay cowboy. Yeah. yeah, in a nutshell. Yeah, but why did... I still am not It's entirely clear why Peter would kill Phil. I mean, yes, his mother was... His mother. See, that's it's hard for people to imagine that. Modern people don't have the same relationship with their mothers that that older people did. Because they're not, kids today aren't as dependent on their mothers as you were when you were in the 1890s living out with a bunch of crazy people running around. Yeah, she had to protect you from scorpions and gangs. Or whatever, just the elements. I mean, your life expectancy then was probably like, 30 or something, you know? Yeah, very young. I mean, he made him cry. I didn't realize. Mm. I just didn't realize how, I mean, because Peter seems exploring his own sexuality, mm-hmm. doesn't have a father, has healing with that. I don't know. I thought this was becoming romantic. I didn't realize that he would take it to the, what, this guy has to die because, is it because of his issues with his dad or is it literally just because he made his mom cry? I don't know. I think there's a certain... There was an inevitability into it because I think Peter was just, that's where Phil wanted to go, you know. That was like the ultimate love, death kind of thing that they were sort of like Jesus and Judas. Jesus Mm -hmm. had to have a Judas. He had to have a Judas, Mm -hmm. otherwise the whole story doesn't mean anything. Mm-hmm. So, you know, for Phil's life to make sense with his torments and things, he had to have Peter complete his thing. That was that sacred bond of the rope, 
that was handed down yes. from Bronco Belly to him. Wow. And uh, and maybe that rope uh, represented society, like when he, uh, when everybody came over and George was inviting him in, and he came in to the, the barn in that suit to invite him to wash up. He's, Phil said, well, sir, ain't we going into society? Maybe he's rejecting society, too. Mm, that reminds me of a lot of Johnny Dowd songs. <laughs> <laughs> how did Buck, how did Bronco Henry die? I don't think they ever... <laughs> I, I mean, maybe this is kind of pushing that, but when they looked up in the hill, you know, they looked up in the hill and says, what do you see? What is, you know, that that for Phil Bronco, Billy was still alive and that not, he wasn't dead to Phil in the way that a dead person is normally dead to you, you know. The spirit of Bronco, Billy had been infused in him on that camping trip they took, you know, where they... Yeah. We saved his life. Well, Rick saved his life by bunking with him in a sleeping bag. Yeah. Well... I just didn't remember whether or not he was responsible somehow. If there's some sort of, like, you can't be together out on the range. Yeah. But is there this odd... What is the word? Like, generational... Yeah. tradition of you know we bond and then you die and then i don't know <laughs> mm. i'm trying to make connections uh from all of the themes it was a myriad of when you, it's like anything once you take it apart it doesn't make any sense at all you know like if you know. <laughs> it's, i'm kind of experiencing that myself like a rope yeah like a rope it's, like, yeah. it's a fucking movie and blah 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 you know? yeah. <laughs> but it's, what you start taking apart? Just like, oh my god! I don't know what the hell is going on. The guy's English. He's talking American. People are <laughs> well, killing each other. Well, well, it was a beautiful movie, though. That, it was they were great. definitely letting us know uh-huh. every step of the way that somebody was going to die. Hey, you're right. Maybe she's making fun of Americans. Who knows? But like you said, if you untangle it, you—that's uh, not the point of the movie. It's just to definitely enjoy. Definitely a great movie. Yeah, great movie. So what? what with that in mind, let's. How many uh, ropes? How many ropes? Uh, yeah, let's let's do a rating out of ten. We kind of give on this show. We oh shit, oh boy. Yeah, we we give things uh, like a, out of ten with All like right. a, something like a Y'all rope. Go, like, you go first. Okay. Uh, what did he grade it? Oh, he said you go first. Oh, okay. Um, sorry, we were talking. I'm gonna I'm give sorry. it. I'm gonna give it nine out of ten ropes. Wow. Wow. Nine out of ten ropes. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take a rope off because I'm confused more after this conversation. <laughs> That's a good point. It was, uh, it was a little confusing. Nine out of ten. Okay. What, what do you got? I'm going to go uh, 8.5 dogs uh, out of ten. Okay. Why did that, why'd you shave off the, the point and a half? They went away from the dog metaphor at the end. Mm. Deliver us from the power of the dog. I mean, it was Peter the dog. Mm. I just felt it left that, that particular thread hanging a little bit. Is the dog homosexuality? Snoop Dogg. Is the dog sex homosexuality? I think it was just the Bible verse. Yeah. It's, uh, it's easy. A cultural reference to Snoop Dogg. Yeah, right. It's, That's, that was totally it. <laughs> trying to get the young audience... Yeah. Well, it's, bow wow, yo, yippee yeah. yay. Yeah. That's yeah. cowboy like. Yeah. And hip hop. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, 
Makes me think of uh, Samuel Jackson, too, in Pulp Fiction. It's always easier to throw in an Old Testament Bible verse and get people thinking. And this is the moment we've been waiting for, other than Johnny's performance, which was fabulous, as always. What is your... How many ropes do you give it? All right. This is tough. I don't like to do... I don't like to give ropes, but... I'm going to go 8.52... I'm going to take off for the fact that the main character was English and he was playing American. <laughs> I knew that's, it. That's, I knew it. That's, cult, that's cultural appropriation. Yeah, I don't that's know. cultural I can't, appropriation. I can't. I'm sorry. You know, I'm, isn't there an American actor that needs a job? <laughs> I could have played that fucking role. I'd have killed in that role. I would have killed in that. I'm not. <laughs> All right. Oh, um, you are that role. <laughs> they yell about directors, yell about the plot, yell about the acting, but they also talk a lot. But mostly Joshua and Phoebe yell about the movie.